Well, when I was in high school, there was a girl by the name of Debbie Fish, and she uh, had a boyfriend by the name of Rob McWilliams, and Debbie and Rob were the quintessential couple. Debbie Fish was slim and trim. She had blonde hair and blue eyes. Absolutely gorgeous. She was a, a cheerleader for all of the varsity sports, and she was the dream date for every guy in the senior class. Except for she had a boyfriend named Rob McWilliams, who was kind of also the, the big stud around school. You know, he was a star running back for the high school varsity team, and he was well-muscled, and he ran track and wrestled, and they were just literally the quintessential couple. Rob McWilliams and Debbie Fish, just, you know, the image of high school sweethearts. Well, I don't know if you do the same thing that I have done in my life, but when I think back about people I knew in high school, I always picture them exactly as they were when we left high school. You know, I don't ever picture people aging or changing because, of course, uh, you know, you just think of them as they were and as you knew them. And the same was true with Debbie and Rob until uh, I went to my high school 20th reunion. And my high school 20th reunion, I became reacquainted with Rob and Debbie. But the fact is, I wouldn't have even recognized them unless one of my buddies had said, Did you see Debbie Fish and Rob McWilliams? You see, Debbie and Rob had gotten married after high school and became husband and wife. But 20 years had changed them significantly. As I said, in fact, so much that if someone hadn't pointed them out, I never would have recognized them. Debbie now was not the slim, trim, cheerleader type. In fact, I don't think she could probably jump two inches off the ground with the extra weight that she was carrying after 20 years. And I don't know how many kids, three kids, I think. And Rob, wow, the time had not been good to Rob. I'm telling you, it made me feel so good. You know, for some people, they reach their peak in high school, you know, and it's all downhill. And for some of us, that's kind of our low point. We're just getting started, you know. Well, I think for Rob, it was the high point and it was all downhill after that. He had this huge gut on him. His, he was bald as a billiard ball. I'm not, I'm not kidding you, just pure bald. And he, had, he still had his red freckles and everything, but it was so encouraging to see um, <laughs> that... That the cheerleaders and the star football players aren't immune from the effects of time and the aging process. It was amazing to see them as a frumpy, overweight, middle-aged couple. Because that's what they were. That's what they are. But you see, Rob and Debbie are on the same road that all of us are on. I call it the road well-traveled. It's the road of aging, that process of continual decay that is so exciting and so fun and ultimately leads us to the destination of physical death. But it's something that we're all sharing together as human beings. It happens to the best of us, as we've seen. It happens to cheerleaders and star football players. It's a road that we all have in common, regardless of our socioeconomic standing, regardless of our education or our wealth. Everyone is traveling this same road together, and everyone will end up at the same destination, ultimately, if they're given the opportunity to live a full life. And it's not cut prematurely, Short. And it's a road that ultimately completely wears us out as human beings. 
if we travel this road to the end, by the time we get there, this physical shell will be completely and totally kind of just falling apart, literally. Having served its purpose, it ends up just crumbling out from underneath us. My grandmother right now is 101 years old. She is the tribal elder of our Indian tribe, of which we are a part, which she says is her greatest accomplishment besides knowing Jesus and that kind of thing. But my grandma, as she sits in the home where my mom and dad and everyone visit her every single day, I mean, the years have taken their toll. And her body, which was once very, very strong and vibrant, in fact, she lived by herself on the reservation in a trailer until she was over 80 years old by herself, kept a garden and, and, you know, picked things from that garden and fed herself and all of that. But even for my grandma, ultimately, her body has just become so weak and so frail, it can't even carry her on her feet. And she has to uh, motate around in a wheelchair. And yet her mind is still uh, somewhat sharp. And when we sit there, she'll sing songs to us and, and tell stories from the past. Her body is just giving out because that is the road that we're on. And yet we all know that we live in a culture that doesn't want to accept that, that doesn't want to deal with or admit that we're all on this road of of decay, this road on the aging process. And so we try to ignore the aging process. We try to deny it and defy it and try to find all kinds of ways around it. But it doesn't matter how many tummy tucks you have or how many liposuction procedures you have or how many facelifts you have. The aging process will ultimately have its way with you as well. And so we might as well embrace it and figure out how can we get the most out of the days that we have on earth? How can we embrace this process as more of a companion that's traveling with us, taking us to a better place rather than seeing it as an enemy that is kind of destroying us and our life? And so what I'd like to do this morning is have you turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, because we're going to again look at the spiritual personal journal of King Solomon, who, by the way, was one of the most handsome wealthy, wise human beings who ever lived on earth. And we're going to see what he has to say and how he processed this whole uh, process of aging. And he's going to share some realities with us. And then based on those realities, I'm going to share a couple of recommendations that I think can help us really get the most out of the years that God has given us and see that this life is just the beginning for us. That when this life ends and this physical body gives out, that's not the end of our story. But our story then is really just beginning. And so I want you to listen as I read chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Chapter 12, verses 1 through 8 of Ecclesiastes. And and, and follow along as I read and maybe you can resonate with some of the words that Solomon wrote in his journal here. Solomon says, don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. Remember him before the light of the sun, moon and stars is dim to your old eyes and rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs 
the guards of your house start to tremble. And before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants stop grinding. And before your eyes, the women looking through the windows see dimly. Remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will grow faint. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worrying about danger in the streets. Before your hair turns white like an almond tree in blossom or bloom. And you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper. And the caperberry no longer inspires sexual desire. Remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home. And then the mourners will, and when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Yes, remember your creator now while you are young, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. For then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. Now, if that doesn't excite you here on a Sunday morning, um, I don't know what will. Uh, very positive truths. But the reality, this is what life is all about. And yet, as a culture, we want to ignore it and we try to just whistle in the dark through life, pretending that none of this is going to happen to us. That somehow some of us are going to escape this thing called aging and physical death. But we won't. We all are on the same road and it all all of us will end up at the same destination. So from these verses, I want us to see two realities about this road well traveled, this road called the aging process. And then from that, I want to see I want to share three recommendations, three recommendations for how we should live in a practical way. And the first reality is this. We need to come to grips with the inevitability of the aging process. Sounds very basic, but it's not. Because most of us don't want to think about it. Most of us don't want to deal with it. But we need to come to grips with the inevitability of the aging process. Now, the truth is, regardless of how much time or commitment we give to fitness regimes, which we should, by the way, give serious attention to our fitness, our physical fitness, our nutrition. I think it's being a good steward of the body that God has given us. Just because we're on the road well-traveled doesn't mean we need to hurry it along or run down the road. You know, we can uh, travel at a safe pace and, and try to be as healthy as we can on this journey. I think that's important. But in spite of that, we need to come to grips with the reality that all of us are aging. And what that means for us as young people is as we're young people, and, and I know that's kind of a, a relative statement, young, right? Because I think we all said, that's me. You know, everyone in here, that's me. Yeah, yeah. But, but when we're younger, we tend to look at older people or elderly people with a sense of kind of pity, like, oh, boy, I'm glad I'm not them. You know, I'm glad I'm not going to be like that. Well, I got news for you. That's where you're headed. 
And the reality is some old people kind of look at the young people in their family and think, oh, gee, I'm just going to be a burden to them. I'm going to be a problem for them. Like somehow this aging thing that is hit is somehow their fault or some kind of mysterious thing that's taken over their body. Like no one else has ever experienced it. Like I'm just going to be a burden. The reality is we're both in the same boat. And so as younger people, as we look at our elders and our grandparents and even our aging parents, we need to realize that's exactly where I'm I'm going to be in 10 or 20 years. And the same for us as elders. We need to recognize, well, that's exactly what happened to our parents, too. And we're not going to be a burden because we're family. And and this happens to all of us. None of us are immune. And we need to come to grips with that reality that none of us are going to escape the aging process, which will help us deal a little more graciously and mercifully with young and with old as we look and recognize we're all in the same boat. And in fact, uh, look what Solomon says here in verses one through five again. What we need is a healthy dose of reality when it comes uh, to the aging process. And here is Solomon, who was very wealthy, very wise, very handsome, very vigorous as a man who lived most of his life, unfortunately, as a playboy, you know, thousands of concubines and wives and all kinds of other things. And yet here's what he ultimately shares as he comes to grip with the inevitability of the aging process. And just look what he says. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. Remember him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim to your old eyes and rain clouds continually darken your sky. What he's talking about here is the whole idea of our sight going bad in old age. And the reality when he talks about the whole idea of rain clouds continually darkening your sky, that as we get older, there's a tendency for our mind to grow dim as well. And in old age, oftentimes we struggle with, you know, uh, maybe depression and and feeling bad. and, And life is just always gray because we don't see anything bright on the horizon. We feel like our best years are past, but the reality is our best years are really coming. We're just getting closer to them. But we need to understand that these things physically happen to us. He says, remember him before your legs, which previously were the guards of your house, you know, that you could protect your family in your house with start to tremble. And you can't do that anymore. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants stop grinding. My grandma doesn't have any teeth. I mean, she gums her food to death, you know, and that's just life. She can't even wear dentures anymore at her age because it won't support it. And and he says, remember God before this all starts to happen. And before your eyes, the women looking through the windows see dimly. Remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. He says, remember, God, before you get to the point in the aging process where you really don't have any other active opportunities and where you're not going to be able to work anymore to take your mind off life and to and to lose yourself in work and career, as so many of us do. The day's coming when the door of opportunity closes and you're not going to be able to throw yourself into work anymore and you're just going to have to sit there and contemplate the realities of life and life after life. And then he says, now you rise at the first chirping of birds. 
But then all their sounds will grow faint. I mean, I can relate to that. We live in a place where there's trees right outside our bedroom window. And every morning these birds start chirping and I'm just up like this, you know. Well, he says, Sam, don't worry because the day's coming. You won't even hear them. You won't know they're there. You'll sleep right through it because your ears will go dim, you know. He says, remember him before you become fearful of falling and worrying about danger in the streets. One of the things that happens as you grow older is you become more fearful because you're less confident of your physical body taking care of you and your ability to run or take care. And I know that my grandmas that I've watched age were constantly afraid of falling and breaking a hip or something, because oftentimes that can be the beginning of the end for an an older person. You break a hip and it can be struggle. So there's that fear of not wanting to fall and worry about danger in the streets. Before your hair turns white, like an almond tree in bloom. Some of us would like our hair to turn white rather than that flesh color. But whether it falls out or whether it turns white is part of the aging process. Then he says, and you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper. Wow, isn't that a picture? He could have left that one out. You know, just kind of this, you just picture the long legs just kind of being pulled along. I mean, he can't hop anymore, can't jump anymore, just pulling himself along, no energy. And the caperberry, which was known to be an aphrodisiac, no longer inspires sexual desire. I mean, there's a day coming when even the blue pill won't help. Nothing will help. You know, you just want to forget about the whole thing. That is the aging process. And it's the road all of us are on. And we can't stave it off. We can't get away from it. We can't ignore it or deny it. It's going to happen to all of us. And so we need to come to grips with that reality and in a healthy, biblical way, embrace the aging process rather than fearing it and running away from it. Now, this might not sound all that encouraging, but it's a reality we've got to deal with. And if God gives us the grace to avoid a premature, untimely death, this is something we're all going to have to come to grips with. And the younger we make peace with the aging process, the better we're going to navigate this road well traveled. We'll, as young people, recognize I am going to grow old. I'm not going to be invincible forever. I'm not going to have this body forever, so I better take care of it rather than wasting it and squandering our health in our early years. Some of us who are in midlife or something, that's still not become a reality, so we still eat poorly and we still uh, take things into our system that maybe are going to kind of speed that process along. And we need to recognize we deal with these realities that we need to take care now. And first and foremost, he says, we should remember God in our youth before the, the aging process takes hold and we might lose our passion for God. But the second reality is not just the inevitability of aging and us experiencing some of the things that Solomon experienced, but the second reality is we need to come to grips with the final result of the aging process. And we all know what that is. The the final result is a common experience for all of us. And look at what he says here in verses, the last half of verse 5 through verse 7. Solomon says here, starting at the end of verse 5, remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Have you ever stopped to picture your funeral? Have you ever done that? Have you ever wondered 
what that's going to be like, I mean, obviously you're not going to be there in attendance, you know, uh, other than in a kind of inanimate way. But have you ever thought about that? I mean, I guess as a pastor, I've done so many funerals in, in the course of my ministry. I've probably done twice as many funerals as I have weddings. And for almost every one of these people, I've known them and I've worshipped with them and I've sometimes played with them and hunted with them and all of these things. And then all of a sudden, there they are. And oftentimes as a pastor, I've kind of looked at myself going, that'll be me someday. I wonder who will preach at my funeral. I wonder what they'll say. I wonder who the mourners will be. Will anybody cry or will they all be going, you know? I suppose the longer I live, the more cheers will go up when it's all over. You know, I don't know. But we need to realize that the ultimate end is that we are going to end up in the grave and that people will be weeping at our funeral. He says, remember your creator while you're young before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bow is bowl is broken. It's a reference to the silver cord being kind of our spinal cord and and our nerve system. And the golden bowl he references is our brain, the center of kind of life in that regard. And that someday it's going to snap. The golden bowl will be crushed. Maybe a reference to a stroke or something that will uh, be the end of life. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. It's a reference to our heart. Kind of the well of life that pumps the blood through our circulatory system. And that pulley is kind of referencing how that is pumped through our system. He says, because then the dust will return to the earth. But the good news, the spirit will return to God who gave it. This physical jar of clay, in a sense, that houses our body now will ultimately cease to live. In the physical sense. But the spirit right now that animates our body will ultimately go to be with the Lord. That's the good news. That's the exciting part. And it's very interesting. You know, if you were to cut me open today uh, on an operating table and do some surgery, you wouldn't see me. Sam Rima, you'd see all kinds of organs and you'd see all kinds of stuff, but you wouldn't see Sam. It's just kind of flesh and blood because I am a spirit that inhabits this body. You know, when people lose a portion of their body, like, like so many of our war veterans and stuff, it doesn't mean they become half a person. They're still the same person, the same full, complete human being. Because our body is just a container. And someday it's going to run out of steam and the golden bowl will be crushed or the, the water jar will be crushed and this physical body will cease to exist But we will go to be with the Lord immediately upon our death. And in future messages, we're going to talk about exactly what that will be like. But Solomon wants us to understand the final result of the aging process. You know, and it's interesting because there's this. The last half of verse five is very interesting to me because it says, remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep. At your funeral, other versions of this verse say, as you near your everlasting home, the mourners will walk along the streets. The reality is, even after we die, life will go on for the people that mourn for us. In fact, I've got to come to grips with the fact that after my funeral, after all the tears, after all the good words that are said and all those kinds of things, uh, 
Maybe my very own family will stop at Burger King on the way home from the funeral and start talking about the twins game or or this or that. Life goes on. You know, people could have been here mourning and crying, but tomorrow they're up doing their thing, exercising, talking about sports because life will continue on, even though our life, our physical life has ended. Now, you might you might think that. You know, that's kind of an overstatement. But the reality is, after we die, uh, it's not long before no one remembers us. It's not long before people even forget our name. Now, just think about it. How many of you this morning can remember or know both first and middle names of all four of your grandparents? Let's just show our hands. How many can remember the? Now, be honest. You remember the first and middle name of all four of your grandparents. Some of us had, I didn't give you enough time to think. Now, how many of you could remember the first and middle name of all four of your great-grandparents? Huh? Some of us pride us on being a close family. And what that says is all of us are, in a sense, just two generations away from having our names even forgotten in our own family. That's the ultimate end. But listen to what Solomon says here in verse chapter seven, verses one through four. And that won't be on the screen. But chapter seven, verse four, look what he says in light of these realities. He says a good reputation is more valuable than costly perfume. Now, listen to this. And the day you die is better than the day you were born. Better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. After all. Everyone dies. So the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for sadness has a refining influence on us. Now listen, a wise person thinks a lot about death, while a fool thinks only about having a good time. A wise person thinks a lot about death, while a fool thinks only about having a good time. You see, when we're busy ignoring the aging process, when we're busy trying to avoid and outrun the aging process and this whole matter of death, we oftentimes are not living seriously or making wise choices. But when we take into account the reality of this process, it helps us to live much more wisely and soberly knowing What's going on? And so I want us to look at three recommendations then in light of the aging process. Just three recommendations. These are kind of extended uh, action steps in a way. And the first recommendation in light of the aging process is to remember God in your youth. Remember God in your youth. When he says remember God, that word remember means to make a decisive, take decisive action, to set a particular course. And he says while you're young, Before the effects of aging take place and your mind grows dim and all these other things, make a decisive choice for God and set out on that course early in life before it's too late. Do you realize that statistics tell us uh, that more than 80 percent of all Christians come to make their decision for Christ before the age of 18? Eighty percent. After a person becomes crosses that threshold of 18, uh, many fewer people, the percentages go down as far as the people that then make that decisive commitment to follow God and to give their lives to him. 
And so one of the recommendations here is to remember God. Make a a decisive choice for God early in your life, while you're young, so, so that you can really live all of your life. In, with that knowledge and, and for God. Remember him when you're young. A second recommendation is this. Prepare for life beyond retirement. Prepare for life beyond retirement. It's amazing to me how many of us spend so much of our lives, particularly middle age and on, planning for our retirement. Making wise investments and obsessing over the stock market and how that's going to go. Trying to research what's the best RV to buy or what's the best lake for our cabin. Or should we go up north or should we go to Phoenix? Or we spend so much time obsessing and planning for our retirement. And yet how much time do we really give to planning for life after retirement? Which is going to be an eternity. You see, that's why Jesus said, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Because the more we invest in eternal life, the more we're going to enjoy. That's just the reality, because it is going to be life. And Jesus is actually saying that we can store up treasure for life after retirement. Because after all, retirement is still just a part of life. And look what Solomon says here in verse 8. He says, everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. He says, life under the sun here on earth is empty. It's void of any ultimate meaning apart from a relationship with the creator. Apart from that connection. That includes our retirement years. They can be totally meaningless. Unless we're really planning for life after retirement as well. And there's not a lot of people who are doing that, truly thinking about investing their wealth, investing things that will make an eternal difference, not just a comfortable retirement for themselves. We need to store up our treasure for life after retirement. But then there's a third recommendation, and this one I think is a little bit harder, and that is always act your age. Always act your age. Remember God when you're young, before it's too late. Prepare for life beyond retirement. And then for heaven's sake, always act your age. It drives me crazy when I see guys that are 50 and 60 with these big flabby bellies wearing Speedos at the beach. It's like, number one, no one should be wearing Speedos. But someone forgot to tell them, this doesn't look good. You know, you're trying to be young. You know, we do all kinds of things with our hair, guys, to try to make it look like we have some. But yet everyone in the world knows we don't. You know, we try the hair, you know, the spray paint on our head and all kinds of stuff, trying to to avoid looking as old as we are. But nothing looks sillier than someone who is 70 trying to look like they're 50 or 40. We just need to act our age, ladies. I got to tell you. That varicose veins do not look good in miniskirts. They don't, they don't go in high heels. I mean, sometimes I've seen it. Macy's in these places, some of these ladies that just, it's like, wow, you're stretched so tight. I mean, it's like, I don't want to be next to you. I'm afraid you're going to, you know, spring or something, you know. It's just not natural. We just need to accept the reality that I'm 55, I'm 65, and that's how I'm going to act, and that's how I'm going to dress. Now, that doesn't mean you become an old stick in the mud or anything like that. It doesn't mean you can't still live a vigorous life and dress nicely. 
It just means we need to dress age appropriately and instead of trying to imitate, you know, the Britney Spears or whatever, you know, uh, again, the midriff doesn't look good after a certain age. And we just need to deal with that, you know, just act our age so that we can, again, just glorify God and appreciate the life he has given us. Three recommendations. Really choose a decisive course for God while you're young, while you're still vital, so that you can live life to its fullest for God. And knowing as you're moving towards that inevitable destination, you're getting closer and closer to life as it was really meant to be lived. Remember, death is just that threshold that we go through and before we enter into real life. Life in paradise, a perfection, like God originally created us to enjoy it in the Garden of Eden. Secondly, prepare for life beyond retirement. Realize that retirement is just a part of this life as well. And all the things you buy and all the cabins and the RVs and the boats or whatever else, it's ultimately just going to rot or be taken over by your kids who are going to run it into the ground or something, you know, fight over it after you're gone. Invest in eternal things that will really matter. That will give your life meaning and joy in retirement. And then third, let's just always act our age. Not trying to act like we're not 55 or 65, but just trying to honor God with our body. So let's pray that God would help us as we all travel this road well-traveled, that we would live every day to the fullest, knowing that this life is not the end for us, but just the very beginning. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your word and how practical it is. Thank you for Solomon and his wisdom and insights about growing older and the changes that our body will experience and how we should really live in light of those realities. Father, we pray more than anything that we would be people who at an early age and then all throughout life choose you to make decisive choices and set our course firmly to follow you always bearing in mind eternal realities so that we might truly be investing in life after this life. Father, again, thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you that we're living eternal life right now. Because even if we die, you told us, we will live. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And it's because of him. Amen.